Here's Pete. Did you watch the docu, the preview that they sent? I sent the trail. I watched the trailer. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. They sent the they sent the oh. whole screener too. So yeah, it's in your email. Ah, there's Peter now. How you doing? Good, Grant. How you going? Super, Hi. super. Good to hear the Aussie accent. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we we actually spoke years ago. It was oh. I actually had a podcast many probably about seven years ago. So it's been a long time. But I'm uh, good friends with James Gilliland, who I know that you've been okay. to the yeah. ranch yeah. a couple of times as well. Yeah. But yeah. uh. Yeah, good to connect again. And Nicole, nice to meet you as well. It's so nice Beautiful. to meet you too. I feel like we're old friends now. I just watched the film like back to back to back. I watched it last night and this morning. <laughs> oh, great. Great. Yeah. yeah, hopefully a lot more will be covered in future documentaries. I couldn't cover much of the evidence because there's so much that's been accumulated. Right. Um, but, I think you said yeah. 10 years worth. Like, and that's just amazing. Like, Grant runs into that all the time, though. Like, these huge collections, it's like people amass over decades, and it's like they never know what to do with it. So they show Grant. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just pull it up. So, yeah. It's amazing. Beautiful. I Is um, Michael joining us too, or are you riding solo? <laughs> Uh, from what I know, it's just uh, me with you guys. I think he wanted to get a link or something sent to him afterwards. I'm not sure what he was going, going to okay. do with it. But yeah, that's what I last saw. So yeah. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let's so we'll that. send him the uh, we're recording now. So we'll send him the, the recording and you're free to do whatever you want with it. And uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a good interview. Do you want to, What do you want to go about an hour? entirely up to you an hour is great for a baseline um i do what i did was i just put together a slight uh small presentation it's got a yeah. compilation of footage and it's got the alien photo one of the latest this photos and i've actually got video I recorded uh i think seven or eight days ago of a disc in the sky over the home so uh -huh. yeah i've got that as well that we can just share that together it was more like a white light disc uh but i've got a lot of more physical stuff as well but there is a difference between those types yeah. of crafts yeah. a big difference yeah okay so, so nicole will let you let you share screen there and you can do yeah. that i'll make yeah. sure he's Just got sure access to do all that there we go did you want to record as well pete because i can give you that option you can just make your own recording uh yeah well yeah i guess that will save um on your end having to do anything yeah. later um yeah, yeah. That, that's that's fine I, I can do that as well so okay um you have that permission now and i think you already have permission to share screen but if you want to do a test we can do that real quick too it says it's disabled at the moment oh yeah so you're going to participants, Nicole, yeah. and then, oh no, this it's under, it's under security, I think now. Oh, oh, changing our stuff. Yes. Got it. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Okay, are you ready to go? I'll do a little intro and then maybe I'll throw it to you, Nicole, and you can. Yeah, and I was just going to give out a warning. If you see my screen go black, it's me corralling a dog or just making sure I'm still here <laughs> that throws some of our guests for a loop they see it go to my picture and they think it's a technical difficulty you're, you're a busy lady all right Grant whenever you're ready okay 
Uh, good afternoon, good evening, and because we have a guest from Australia, good morning wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and I am joined by my research assistant, experiencer, and co-author of the book, Triangles, Aliens, and Messages with me, Nicole Sackage from Illinois, and I'm from Canada, and we're joined today by uh, a really special guest. Um, I always say in the UFO field that you will never know what this is about, what UFOs are about, until you talk to the people who are interacting with the intelligence. And we have Peter Slattery, give me, give it to me here. What do you say, Slattery? There's Slattery and Slattery, Slattery, but yeah. Peter Maxwell Slattery Slattery from Australia. And um, he's just come out with a documentary. He's got a lot of material, a lot of video. Um, I sort of see him like a Chris Bledsoe of Australia. And uh, Chris has a lot of video, a lot of contact. So I'm always very interested to interact with experiencers who are interacting with the intelligence because I've got a lot of questions. I'm sure Nicole's got a lot of questions. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And I think you are one of the keys that we need. So welcome Peter to, uh, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk to you. Oh, thank you. The, yeah, the pleasure's all mine. And uh, thank you to Nicole as well. So thanks for having me on guys. It's such an amazing event, I think. And we were talking, I think, at the start of this. You said you've been collecting your evidence for about 10 years now, but you are a lifelong experiencer. So why don't you just start at the beginning for us? Jump on in. <laughs> All right. So there's sort of a big bit of back and forth, and I'm going to try and condense this down because it's a daily thing. Which, what, which is what I would call either through experiences or thought transfer. We could say telepathy, uh, but basically the sort of thumbnail sketch version we could say is around the age of seven is when I started having telepathy. Now, this was more what I could say is prophecies, predictions, in terms of just knowing things before things would happen, but my parents were just like, how do you know this? And we sort of just blew it off. We actually spoke to a doctor at one time about it. And the doctor said, well, it's nothing negative. So, you know, don't worry about it. But we blew it off. There's a few things before that that I haven't ever spoke about. But it's sort of because it's very vague. I can't. It's just little bits and pieces. But it was around the ages between 7 and 12 where I've got to tell it like it is. And I sort of dumb it down sometimes. And this is going to sound weird, but the whole thing's weird anyways, we know. I would wake up to Kirk Cobain in my bedroom, the singer of Nirvana. Now, this happened a few times and over a certain amount of times, I would start to see Kirk Cobain as a distortion like this. And in between that of Kirk Cobain, I would see what you would commonly call a grey alien, but it was white. Now, over time, when this started to happen more and more, sometimes it was one, sometimes there was three of them later on. Now, the, the skin texture looked like cigarette ash. If you ashed a cigarette and you poked it with your finger, it was sort of that grindy sort of look. And the eyes were more sort of horizontal than up, but they were bigger. And sometimes looking back at this as well, you wonder how you could see this in the middle of the night or it could be early in the morning. But what would happen, at, like particularly one incident, I can remember turning away and there was light shining in the peripheral of the curtain. 
extreme bright light. Now, whether that was a craft, whether that was something else, whether it was even sunrise, I've got no idea because you look back at these this age and you sort of, you don't document it. And I can tell you, I didn't know if it was aliens, angels. I didn't know what the hell it was. It just wasn't on my radar at that time. Now, this occurred on a regular basis between the ages of eight and 12. And I know that because I moved into a particular house with my mum at that time with my stepfather. And then at 12, I moved to my father's, which is when I had my first UFO sighting. Now, um, I was walking down a road that people know from the town Albury called Dick Road, which goes onto the main highway between Melbourne and Sydney. Sort of halfway between Melbourne and Sydney, but it's more towards Melbourne, uh, like on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. And I was walking down the road going to a service station, gas station, you guys call it. And I can remember I had one of those bottles that if you fill it up with the slushy, you know, the slush puppies, but it was like your own bottle you could take there. And when you fill it up, the bottle changes colors. So I was going down there. It was a, it was a hot day. And what I saw was it was like if you pulled a weight off the end of a weight bar at the gym and you put it sideways and it was like a mat gray and it went in front of this hill called red light hill until it went out of view now even now I've, i had an experience in later years with this craft and this craft is about three times the size of a football field it was gigantic wow. to this day like i didn't even tell my parents about it at this time now my parents have seen this stuff with me uh my brother's experienced like everyone's seen something with me over the years but at that time I didn't even really, it was like, what the hell is that? But at the same time, it didn't, you know, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't think about it. It was just like normal, but at the same time, what the hell was that? So I still wondered, wondered to this day, is it something, because I know that, like, for example, I can even have up to 200 people in a park that you've seen on the, in the documentary. There's in that there's probably about 50, 60 people, something like that, maybe a bit less. And some people will see the craft, some people won't. And this is during the day, most of the activity. So I still wonder to this day, did anybody else see that? Because it was massive. It was in the afternoon. You know, it's just something that plays on your mind. But from that time onwards, I would have what we deem as high strangeness activities. Um, seeing apparitions, shadow men, um, objects moving or being thrown about the house. And it wasn't until later on, probably in my early 20s, where... I had an amazing daytime sighting with a friend of this orb going over a couple of suburbs in my hometown. And after that, it was around 2010 when I started to see and film these objects on a regular basis that ended up on the television, which I didn't go to them to. They, they somehow found out about it and came to me. I contacted the Australian Air Services. I've still got the email where they told me that the airport for my hometown, which is a small town, uh, I live about 40 minutes from there now. The airport shut, but at that time at night onwards, because it's such a small town, they said they've got no, um, basically, um, logging of helicopters, anything, because I was just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And from that point, things got pretty full on. So I know that's a bit, but that's just sort of like an introduction for where we could say the contact started. Can I ask a question? I'm doing a book on apports and manifestations because a lot of experiencers do have that. So can you elaborate a little bit more on stuff that's moving around and do you have stuff disappear, reappear, flying around the room? What is that kind of stuff? Because 
it, a lot of people do experience that. And that is part of sort of like the physical evidence that they went to the, the, the Defense Intelligence Agency. That's why they went to Skinner Rock Ranch to look at that yeah. kind of stuff. They're trying to figure out how do you put bulls inside trailers? How do you make stuff appear and disappear? So talk a little bit about that for me. So it, it could be remote controls, uh, phones, crystals. I've had crystals appear while filming a craft appear at my foot where I hear it like it's something like as if it was dropped and I look down and there's a crystal there. Um, Like a curtain being pulled up and you'd go and look and the window's shut. So there's no wind. There's no fan. There's no nothing. It's like literally somebody's grabbed it and just pulled it up like that and then, you know, dropped uh, a shoe flying across the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I'm just giving examples here because you've, like people have to realize when this is a regular daily thing, it's it's just another thing. So there's so many examples that I could give. And yeah, it's yeah. just that's the way it is. Yeah, it's that trickster thing. Did you did you uh did, were you able to talk to it? I mean, were you trying to interact with this thing or did you realize somebody was trying to get your attention? The interactions didn't get, we could say, to a basis where there was face-to-face contact for a period of six months. And it's on a regular basis, meaning once every blue moon, I will have physical interactions with one being in particular. But what I found out later, so I'll I'll sort of go forward a bit more to explain this because it gets a bit complicated and it's probably going to get far out um, because- Later, I found out one of these beings is actually a different aspect of me. Okay. And I mean, that's with the physical interaction that people have seen this being. So this is where I'm still trying to compute with my human brain, trans-dimensional information that I'm trying to understand. And like we go into the documentary and we won't say too much, there's even been a group of up to 40 remote viewers of John Vivanco's team that came up with a lot of data that was completely blind to my case and they came to the same conclusions. So this is where I've tried bringing in Jason Gleaves, ex-UK Air Force Aerospace to analyze the footage and the data. And then I've got uh, John Vivanco and his team that, have, that he was a psychic spy for the uh, think tank for the FBI and worked for NASA and many other people um, and corporations. And then I've got over 300 witnesses in my home that have experienced this stuff, let alone thousands of people around the world. Anywhere I've gone, it's been experienced. So. In terms of what happened was after around 2010, when I'd start to film this stuff on a regular basis, what happened was I started to see orbs come into the house, blue orbs in particular, but there would be different manifestations of different orbs, apparitions. Now, it got to the point where in December, I think it was of 2011, don't quote me on that date, but I think it was around that, that month and that year. I was in my lounge room and I had a being appear that was about, let's say, seven foot. It had humanoid features, but it looked like it was made out of liquid light and it looked more masculine than feminine, but it had no private parts. It was just, that's the way I can explain it to you. No clothes on? No, it was just made out of liquid blue yeah. light. Okay. It, yeah. look, it was like a teal color. It wasn't like green. It wasn't, uh, it's like a teal color, but it was more like a baby blue, like a light blue. And it looked like it was liquid light, but it was condensed. And there was a, what, this is what's weird about these two is that when I see the, this bang, I know I'll explain more in a moment because it's a group of beings. There's white light that emanates from them. 
but they're blue. Doesn't make sense with physics. You know what I mean? If it's, it should have a blue light emanating from it because it's blue, but it doesn't. Yeah. Now, at times when these beings appear, there's lightning in the room that will first manifest. It looks like lightning, flashes of light, and then the oh. beings will appear. Now, later I found out that these beings are the blue orbs. Wonderful. So it was through uh, a consequent event where I, I was approached by two of them in my office where I was meditating at that time later on. I was, we could say meditating, relaxing, chilling out, and I, two of them appeared. And they told me that they were the Elohim. Now, with that said, the way that they've described the Elohim to me is that there's different variations of them in color, like a rainbow light, and that our actual highest expression is an all of us, our highest self is the Elohim. And through later contacts, they show me that our we could say our soul is a cell of God's body. And that God itself is a cell with many other universes with their own planes and dimensions of a greater intelligence. And they showed me this and I had to stop there because they showed it to me where everything was made out of purple hue dodecahedrons. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll show me a light blueprint to everything. And this is where even recently I've had contact with them and what they'll do. And this is where one thing I'm trying to do is tell people that you were not going to get this. And I'll tell you now, I haven't got 1% of what the hell is going on at a billion trillion percent, but I know a lot but I got no idea still. I'm trying to comprehend this. But for example, going back to 2010, I was the bloke that you'd call to a lot of the haunted houses. I was investigating stuff at that time, trying to figure out for myself what the hell was going on. And there is a big overlap between the paranormal community and the UFO community and the conscious spiritual community. And I believe that the way that I have telepathic communication with these light beings and extraterrestrials is the same method you could use, say, for elementals fairies bigfoot it's all through thought transfer where i'm getting visions i'm getting the thought to the visions and i'm getting feelings and emotions bang in like a few seconds of like books of information wow. that's the way that it operates and it's very overwhelming at times because your body computer can't decode what's going on 100 percent because we only see a fraction of 0.005 percent of physical matter which is the visible light spectrum your pineal gland which has got calcite crystals in it i believe pick up the information but your brain your human brain is still what decodes that information in to a way that you can digest and fathom it so there's a lot of stuff that gets not translated if i guess either one you're not open-minded enough or your brain hasn't got a reference to decode the information so I'm going on a bit of a side thing there because this is where it gets very deep. Like what I'll tell you, and I'll go into the extraterrestrial and extraterrestrial groups that I've been in contact with. But what I can tell people is that extraterrestrials, I don't care about what dimensional density you talk about. It's the bottom 5%. Because once you get past the extraterrestrials, you start to go into these other 90% of realms where there's no planets, there's no stars, and then you pop into what I call the geometric light realms, which are fractal geometry. The intelligences are in there. And some could call this, this the angelic light, light realms or what have you. And then you hit source and that's where you're just plugged into the mainframe. And this is, this is like uh, what I would say where I go every now and then, but mainly it's up to those geometric light realms. And what they're showing me is that the extraterrestrials, even though some of them are looking down at us and they're, they're actually looking up to us in the human experience, 
what you've got is a component where I say, don't look up to the extraterrestrials. They're just our greater family. The celestials are our greater family. But the extraterrestrials are still going through self-mastery and inner development and their process to interact with the higher beings, which I'm interacting with. So this is where years down the track, I look at this and this is like where it gets really convoluted. But there was a, a series of six months of physical interactions with a being that is known as Shiji. And the Shiji material is very well known in the community. They're best-selling books through a series of three books that explains a lot of what I'm talking about in layman's terms that a lot of people read and go, I know this, but I don't know how I know it. And how she appeared was, I think it was the 1st of January, 2012, I think it was, um, again in my lounge room with her hands on her knees over the coffee table, staring me in the eyes. She's just teleported in out of nowhere. And there was messages about not knowing who I am and what we're capable of as a human race that went on from there. And this is a period of six months of interactions where I would even get her voice in my head to go outside and the crafts would be there. And then I'd start to know when crafts were outside and I'd keep going outside and the crafts were there. I didn't understand. I wasn't fully understanding what was going on. And this is where a lot of people that have a UFO sighting, I'll say, did you have to go outside and get the mail or check on the car? There's always a reason, but what they're doing is they're sending a telepathic thought transfer to them. You've got to go and check the mail. They think it's their own thought because it comes through as their own thought. They go out, check the mail, look in the sky, and then they've got a sighting going on. So it's very layered. And I know I'm going all over the shop uh, because it's, it, it's all connected. And I'm trying to really go and say here that you've got to listen to experiences. Believe me, don't believe me. I'm beyond that. I don't, it doesn't bother me. But what we're seeing is with the disclosure movement, the, the work that you've done for many years, Grant, we've got to a point where I think if we look at everyone's information, see what correlates and we start to see correlations, that's where, where we've got to go. And I must say, what frustrates me, and I know you've talked about your personal experience, is that I know a lot of these big names in the community when I've talked to them privately. And you wouldn't know that they've had an experience in the public eye, but when I go, all right, mate, there's a reason you're doing what you're doing. You've had an experience, haven't you? How, how do you know that? Well, it's not bloody hard to tell, mate. But <laughs> I think if these people with these credentials started talking about them as well, and I know that, that they say, I don't talk about them because it would mean I would have no credibility. Well, we're not getting much further with you not talking about it either. But if we started having the people with the credentials talking more about it, as well as you know what we've got now with the, the military witnesses coming forward, I think we'll probably see a shift because what we're doing isn't working. We're seeing slow footsteps, but we've got to do this ourselves. That's what the beings have told me. It's like, we can't come and fix stuff. We'll regulate, we'll check things out. You know, We know about this with nuclear weapons and things like that. But it's like, you guys don't know what your potential is. And it's amazing. And it's actually beyond a lot of these extraterrestrial races. I was even shown and told that what the angelics can do, we can do in a physical form and go trans-dimensional, but we're not aware of it. So there's something going on here that's yeah. beyond me, what we can fathom. Let me jump in and just pause you real quick before we take this turn into our higher potential and why now or why specific people. But let's get back to the high strangeness a little bit because you have brought it up a few times and I think you explain it beautifully. You, you have pointed out physical. I've had physical experiences, but in the documentary, you talk about 
physical experiences not quite being as physical as people think like craft actually being like landing inside your house or you know kind of this trans medium of physical and non-physical i wonder i want you to explain it <laughs> this is why it's called multi-dimensional and epic question Absolutely epic question. And forgive me if I'm speaking quick and I'm going to try and calm down. I've had a bit of coffee and I'm just a hyped up person in general. So still not as fast as Grant. So you're doing fine. So the way I'll explain this and I'll preface it with that. I've spoken to Native American and Australian elders about this and they'll sort of taken aback going, you know, you get this. All right. So what it is, is that I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll be in a room or I'll, I'll, I'll be in bed and I'll start to feel like I'm vibrating, not the bed. If anything, the bed's probably vibrating with me. There's a, there's a energetic, let's say a, there's a vibration. I can close my eyes and I can see the bangs on the craft. Like there's all of a sudden I close my eyes and I see bangs and I'm on a craft. Now, sometimes it might look more material, like a, a physical thing. Most of the time it's structured from light. Mm. Yeah, now to describe what you see on craft. Yeah. So the way I can describe this is that what's happening is, and how I believe a large majority of people are taken, and I don't think they're taken to another star system into space, anything like that. Though those things do happen. But predominantly what I believe is happening from personal experience is that they'll land a craft on you in apparition form. It would look like a ghost, a mist, and it will be defined. You could like it, it will be it's like seeing a ghost where you can see the outline. Sometimes it's a bit misty on the peripheral. But what they're doing is they're landing the craft on you, and then they can either vibrate your physical body on board the craft, or they can bilocate your part of your consciousness or your consciousness fully onto the craft. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll take your body full with the consciousness, and then they'll separate the body from the consciousness, take the consciousness to, the, to another group of beings that will take you to higher realms because the physical body can't do it. And then they come back and then they'll, they'll put you back together. It depends who and what and why what's going on is, is going on. So this is where they, they've said the same thing, the Native Americans and Aboriginal elders that I've spoken to. Yeah, they'll land the craft on you. They'll put your consciousness on board. And then put you back. And what's happening is the craft's probably most of the time exactly overlapping the same space, but it's out of phase with you. So that's how it can operate like a ghost, in, which is why I say that this whole phenomenon is mixed, whether it's ghosts, whether it's um, ETs, transdimensional, whatever it is, they're using the same mechanism. But what you've got is where beings are doing this consciously because I've seen beings in their light body in Merkaba to where they don't need a craft. So mm -hmm. it depends again on what type of being. But this is where on the video, on the documentary, I show one at ESETI when I was there, people could see it with me, but the rest of them couldn't see it. And there's a cigar craft like three foot off the ground about oh, 15, 20 metres away. We originally saw it at the other end of the field. Um, there's witnesses where they'll land the craft on the group when I take people out or they're with me and I'll say to them the temperatures just changed it almost feels like we might be wearing jackets it's cold weather and it becomes tropical weather and I'll say walk until you find the cool air and then you can find the dimensions of the craft and in your peripheral vision you can see 
the the craft in apparition form. And if you sort of look side on, you can actually see the being phased out within it. So when you walk in, there's a different temperature and even sometimes there's a smell and also there's a slight muffling to if you hear insects and things outside or traffic, when you walk in, it's got a slight muffle to it. Wow. So it's, I hope I'm explaining this okay because yeah, that's it just a great things. way to describe it. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of travel over that little detail to where it's like they think the craft appears and everything goes silent, you know, like you can't hear the animals or the trees or the wind, but it's actually you might be inside the sphere of the craft at that point when you hear it go muffled. But and another thing I want you to describe is being onboard crafts. I heard a, a part where you were describing the light and the curvature and no corners and things. We talked to quite a few experiencers who describe it that way. Yeah, so there's enough, there's a lot of like we could talk a lot about that. And I've got a lot of like sort of notes and things, pardon me, I've jotted down over the years because there's a lot of different intelligences that I've interacted with on board, different types of crafts vessels devices so one of them that's connected to this group of um orions now these intelligence have showed me that they're from orion um i think it's only tack behind that belt there's a civilization behind there in later data that they've shown me now the way i can describe this is when i've been on board this craft everything looked like a, it was like a whitish blue light and one of the rooms wasn't big like this room was probably i've never even really described the size of it but it was probably maybe about six seven foot wide by about 10 long and the walls are just light but it didn't hurt your eyes and you couldn't see through it it was it was like a wall that you couldn't see through but it was structured from light there's no curves in it whatsoever there was crafts, uh, chairs in there that I later found out that they can just ma manufacture or manifest anything they want. And I'm not sure how this was done on this particular vessel. I know on other ones, they've got a type of memory metal where the chair can just manifest from the metal on the floor and just all of a sudden you've got a chair. Like almost like Terminator 2, that sort of liquid metal. And the craft's operating like that, which I know um, I saw data recently where the US um, have admitted they're working on a type of uh, memory metal that can just shape and form and do all that sort of stuff. So we're getting there. Um, there was I these two. You, I heard you right. describe some craft, and I've heard others describe it this way too. That some craft are actually grown. Yes, yes. Yeah. So there's other ones that I've been on where they're like, um, it looks like you're in a white room in a movie. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. But you're inside a device. There's other ones that I've been on where the world, like there was a disc I was on, and it sort of went like that. So sometimes you might have different compartments from the bottom, the middle and the top. And that's more with what we could say is lower advanced civilizations that are still more advanced than us, where there might be navigation systems, propulsion systems. And I've seen those types of things as well. But the, one of the really cool ones was where the walls looked like mother of pearl. Oh, wow. And it was living. So the craft is in and, in and of itself has a consciousness, its own consciousness. There's, then yes, I can say that there is material that I've got that I've shown for a second in the documentary that I'm going to be, I'm trying to get somebody to work with me on that, but I'm very skeptical because I know of, let's say mainstream researchers that later down the track and it's not known, they produce some anomalous data, but they kept some data for themselves. 
Mm. And that's not okay if they're going to do a proper investigation. That means I would get some details, but I wouldn't get the full picture. And I'm trying to go to somebody that I can find and be with the results and testing and get a full picture that isn't even into this. That's what I think would be groundbreaking. And I know Jack Belay, I don't know him, but I know he's got a lot of stuff to do with that as well in terms of uh, he's testing a lot of cool stuff as well. So it's great that people are doing this in the public eye like that as well. But um, when, we, when we're talking about crafts, like seriously, it's just like, what type of car are we talking about? The propulsion systems have been different where instead of a waveguide in some, some of the ones like Bob Lazar, I've seen crystals that are in there that the it's like a crystal living light that is an intelligent and operating the craft in and of itself. And they'll have bangs that are worker bangs for it. And the craft will, the way I could describe it, it might be like mother of pearl or a different color type of light. Cause I've seen different variations, but the craft has in and of itself, its own consciousness. So some of these things are grown in space. The Pleiadians have shown one where what they do, some of these white egg crafts, a Pleiadian one in particular, They've created going like this from their own consciousness. And what they were telling me is that it's a device that they create from their own consciousness to protect them from outside environments and influences. So they're not evolved enough yet to be in a Merkaba, but they can create something with their own consciousness like that. And when you're in it, through their consciousness, they could make it look like you're in an ocean forever. Or it's like almost like a, holo, a holodeck. But there's no technology. It's their consciousness that creates it. And there are actually a lot of these beings, specifically the Pleiadians, are us in the future that came back. And they did have influences on Atlantis and Lemuria, but they're actually us in the future. And there's a group in Orion that are us in the future as well. Some of these greys are connected to events, solar events, that the Elohim was telling me they happen, but they don't happen anymore, which I'm confused about that. And they said, you're not thinking multidimensionally about it. And I'm like, well, you know, what can you do about that? But those white greys I spoke of, they're actually what I can describe as guardian beings. Now we hear about different forms of guardian beings. These, are, these beings aren't negative. They are beings that work for uh, a conglomerate of councils in different sectors that they are like worker beings for them, but they do have their own consciousness. So they're not like a negative type or from Zeta Reticuli. These beings are like purely made from higher dimensions to do lower dimensional work. If the higher dimensional beings can't come down the planes and dimensions to pop in, they've got these beings that will like take me, for example, and then pull my consciousness out of the body to go to the higher realm. So I can do that myself at times now as well. So they will also show me those white greys as well. And why even call them greys? I should call them whiteies or something. I've got no idea, but... Um, there is uh, those beings assigned to natural and man-made portals and man-made portals that are unknown to those that created the portals to sort of monitor what the hell is going in and out and what we could say less advanced civilizations that don't understand the operation of all this. However it works, um, they sort of like, like a regulatory commission that sort of observe and monitor and log what's going on, we could say. So, yeah. Uh, question for you. Uh, I want to ask more about the technology and the, especially the dimensional stuff, but you're talking about what a lot of experiences talk about is interaction with a, a whole bunch of races. So can you explain what, are you picked for this? Uh, is this a pre-birth agreement that you came in? Have they explained this, why you would have so an, an engagement with this race and then this race and then this race? 
what is your position in this? Like, why, why you, I guess the question would be. Well, it's not just me for starters. I believe that there's many around the whole planet. And yeah. I think that people wake up a certain time. So I have conscious recall of an agreement with the Elohim as the light, light blue light beings, I'll call them before coming here. And I, I write about this in Operation Starseed, a book that I wrote about where basically what's going on is, let's use when the Iraq war happened after, world, uh, after 9-11. Now, the way I explain this is imagine that the allies in the US, they're the star nations. And Earth is Iraq, and you're trying to go in there and liberate the people. So the way they showed it to me was that there is negative influences that are connected to AI, that the fallen Elohim actually created the AI. And this is what we could call archons, reptilians, uh, the list goes on, on and on, serpent beings, shadow beings, all these different energies, right? So the way they've explained it to me is that it's like we're dropped off into a war zone to liberate the, the people, meaning Earth and its consciousness and help raise the consciousness but we've got no weapons except our consciousness to help liberate the people while they stay up there, like the support in the air and everything else. Now with me, I don't want to say too much because I want John Vivanco to explain it in the documentary because it's not me saying it. And it is similar to stuff that they've told me, but basically I don't even know how to explain it. It's like I've got to over 50 races that I've interacted with and I don't even talk about any of this except with James Gilliland. And James is like, this is just normal. But you know, you know, James, James gets it, which is why he's like a brother, a father and a best friend to me. We've been friends for about seven years and I'll, he'll stay here for a few months. I'll go there for a few months. So James has stayed with me a few times and seen, he can tell you what he's seen himself, 100%. So um, at the end of the day, we could say that I am somebody to bring through messages and to help spark the consciousness in one's consciousness to open up to a greater reality of who and what we are and that like things are a lot bigger and beautiful than what we can imagine but i don't like to say too much it's not i don't want to be in ego and i don't want to be that i'm special but there is some things where it goes out of the ballpark and but i'll let john vivanco explain that in the in the documentary so i, I hope that's okay yeah, no, i mean because yeah. because you do have the thing i always say what i was told is the if the world is one life, then that's one world. But if it's multiple lives, that's a whole different world with different rules. So if you come in on a, on a multiple life thing and the soul contract idea, which I ask most experiences about, then it comes in that you have a role, you have a mission and most, and a lot of experiences know what their, what their mission is. And so I think you're basically spelling that out that it's not that yeah. you're anybody special, but everybody's come here for a certain reason to do, to learn love or uh, whatever they've come here to do. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's a very common thing. It, the, the way they explained it to me was when we leave source to go out within source, it's all about experiencing and gaining knowledge. Now within the human experience, because we're a conglomerate of many different races and we're sort of like an experiment that's not done like this quite anywhere else. We could say from uh, millions of years that this has been, I believe longer than that, going in the billions of the process of what we are now we're still carrying on, we could say, this experiment of being a super being in the 3D realm. Now, emotions are amplified, love's amplified, hate's amplified, but to be able to overcome those obstacles and get to a love frequency and a higher consciousness frequency, it's like once we earn and get to that point, we can actually surpass all these intelligences. This is what they've shown me that other universes are watching in on this. 
which means other gods with their own planes and dimensions, which are a cell of the greater body that this universe, which we would call God universal consciousness, it's like, the, it was hard for me to grasp, right? We think of God as everything, but no, this God is everything in, in what it's created. It's got a unified field. It's got all these planes and dimensions emanating from it, but that's one of billions and that makes up a greater body. So it's like I say, imagine your body, imagine um, your God's self as a cell of God's body. Now imagine God's body, a cell of something greater that's another greater body. And the human experience is, is unlike any other, the way they've explained it to me, but the, like there's so many things that we're here to rectify at this time. And there is an ascension process going on now. Ascension gets blown out of proportion in this community. Fifth dimension, going to a new earth, those things happen. Rainbow light body, another example. But what we tend to forget about is ascension in the human experience, raising one's frequency, being boots on the ground, being here. So many people want to be in the fifth dimension. It's like, you've done that. You've come down to help here. Forget about that at the moment. Let's focus on here and raise the frequency so we can all ascend. And I believe from the information they've shown me, some will go and some won't. And those that won't shift to a higher consciousness. It's not that they're not, that they're bad people. They're just not ready on their individual soul journey yet to go to that next level. And eventually they will. So th there's a whole lot going on. Yeah. So let, let me ask a question then about, about the, um, the, the role of what's actually going on, because on, on earth we're into, you know, uh, whoever's got the most toys when they die wins, that sort of thing that we're gathering stuff. And you get this idea when you talk about the beings that it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, the whole thing is about raising consciousness making the world more complex more magnificent and stuff like that is that what this is all about is is them raising your consciousness you raising other people's consciousness everybody sort of being this altruistic because people will say why do why did the aliens come here like or, you know what's their motive i mean what are they trying to get from us and stuff like that and you're talking i think what a lot of experience is this altruistic thing that everybody's there to help everybody's there to raise consciousness is that what this is about or raise vibration or understanding and stuff like that all right, so this is where it's going to get laid because not all beings have our highest interest at heart. That's for starters. But what I'll say is predominantly they do. Predominantly they do, depending on the race and what's going on. Now, the way I can explain it is that this is about soul evolution to where they've shown me. You know how a cell in our body rejuvenates every seven years? Well, they showed, I think it's seven years, but anyway, the way that they've showed it to me is that this universe is an implosion, explosion, toroidal field that on a blueprint level that will rejuvenate itself like a cell rejuvenates itself to where it will start over again and everything it's done, it will never do again. It will, go, it will learn from all that and do something bigger and better. Now, why I'm saying this is I was shown that once we get to a certain level of consciousness, we could be what we could say is a, an ascended type master. I don't want to get all airy-fairy here because I'm really not an airy-fairy person. And I think there's a lot of real stuff to it. And I had to learn to sort of, um, like what I can tell you is I don't trust everything that the beings tell me, but there's most beings that I do trust because it's the fruit of the information. How's it about you being a better person, being of service? Is it nonsensical, which is usually trickster information? Or is it misleading and about being external rather than going within? But one bit of information is that when we get to a certain level of consciousness, we can be a master. We can be of service to others as a trans-dimensional being and or we can divide off from this universe and create our own universe. 
with its own unified field and the planes and dimensions. Like you as a singular cell of this God's body can divide off from this universe and do that eventually as well. So it's like, it's just about experiencing and gaining knowledge, but the love frequency is what brings you up to be the observer rather than being somebody that's reactionary mind that gets you to the highest states of consciousness to where imagination is creation and it's unbounded in what it can do. But with that said, the negative have a purpose in all this. The way that they've shown me is that the negative beings, it shows one how they don't want to be vibrationally. So it's like if you're being affected by negative entities, it's showing you what you don't want to experience. So in effect, it's almost like boot camp for raising your consciousness to where these energies are down here, but they can't affect you up here. That's why a lot of these intelligences, depending if it's a very high vibrational being and a very low vibrational being, meaning something that's service to self or to the AI and Archon network, when this being comes into its presence, it's got to go. But it depends on sometimes you've got these two energies that will fight because there's bipolar opposites, we could say, of the same thing that there's no way that this energy can push this one out and this one can push the other one out. They're sort of like on a meeting level to where there's this like, source duality sort of thing going on so there's it's very late late about why all this is going on it is about raising one's consciousness but there are races who want to take certain things from humanity some beings just want to take the negative energy some people want to control and dominate and keep this what we could say vibrational frequency up to where we can't see them and it's like pushing on humanity because i've been shown a lot of stuff to where our cities are actually like computer circuits that are contributing to the artificial intelligence, keeping it in play. That is part of putting a frequency out there to where we can't see these lower vibrational energies or higher vibrational energies. But going back a very long time before even the Egyptian pyramids, there was crystalline pyramids on many planets, including here that created like a light grid to where there was like high consciousness to where you could basically just teleport from planet to planet and walk into these things just very much like the pyramids, pyramids of Giza, I believe, that they're stargates as well as healing devices and free energy devices as well. Would, would we be a good race or a bad race? Because I mean, if we take a look, I mean, we're the ones with the nuclear weapons that are prepared to drop them on millions of innocent civilians. I mean, are, they, are, are we considered one of the sort of the lower vibrating races? It's a mixed bag. It is really a mixed bag. And I think you've got this with a lot of races before they hit that, that, that point where there's a leap in evolution, they've gone through the same trials and tribulations as us, um, especially the Lyrians, the Pleiadians, Arcturians, Syrians, Andromedans that are local to us in this constellation, as well as many other races. We've actually got connected genetics to all of them. And that's from the communication. They've told me that we've gone through what you've gone through and you don't realize what you guys, what your potential is if you got your stuff together. So we are a mixed bag at the moment in terms of, it's good, bad. It's just, I think if people really knew what we could create here on earth, people would get their act together and just get over their indifferences and their ego very quick. And it's a sad thing because I know what we're capable of. That's the bottom line. So it's a, it's a mixed bag, you know, that we've got, you know, it's any city, any town, you've got good people, bad people, people that are enlightened, people that aren't. It's just, it's just the way it is, unfortunately. But that's, that's the information I sort of focus in more on is self-mastery now. Because I think a lot of stuff that we've talked about, it's great. And all the experiences talking about is educational. But at the same time, I think 
we've got to bring it back to us. How's any of this information helping us as humans get our stuff together to, to evolve? Other people just want to keep looking at information and they're not getting, especially a lot of researchers, they're not wanting to go down the conscious path where it leads. So many researchers I know, they focus on government documents and this and that, which that brings validity. They've got great credentials, great background, but you talk to them privately and you know this, it always comes back to there's something that snaps in them going, it's all about consciousness. And it sounds airy-fairy at the start. It's all about consciousness, man. But at the end of the day, it is about consciousness. I, I think the government stuff and the fear stuff sells better. I think that's what a lot of it's about. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to this with Gilliland and he said the same thing. It's just what sells. They don't want to go to this next level, which starts to bring some answers in. And um, yeah, that's where the answers are. I agree with you. That's where we start to figure out what's going on. That's what I said. That's what's important. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's talk about something else that's a little important. I know, I think most experiencers start off in this quest very isolated and introverted, but then we start meeting other people that help us along our journey. And one of those people that you met and helped you is Mary Rodwell. So would you like to tell us about your relationship with her? We love Mary, by the way, but... Yeah, talk to us about how you guys found each other and the work that you've done with your experience and how she's helped you. I call her Mama Starseed. And <laughs> uh, for those that don't know Mary, she's, uh, she was a nurse. She was a midwife, um, counsellor. She's a hypnotherapist and counsellor now. She's worked with thousands of experiences. And I was like back in the day when I was telling you or back in the day, but years ago when I was telling you about my sightings and I was going to the um, air services and people like that, I was even going to UFO organizations, never got anything back, never heard anything. And I was alone. I was in an apartment by myself. Um, it was a very hard time in my life, very hard time. And Mary responded to one of my emails and we started to talk um on a not a regular base but like sort of every now and then we'll, we'll be exchanging emails and might skype and then one day i had a missing time experience in broad daylight with the flying saucer above me that was i think it was above my car probably for 10 minutes before i noticed when i pulled over and got out it was sitting there because of that vibration <laughs> i was telling you about yeah and um mary did a regression with me and in that regression i think it's somewhere online you can see the being speak through me it's not me talking it's me talking for probably the first five ten minutes and i'm then i start to convulse and the body just pops up and something else starts talking through me and at later hypnotherapy sessions that mary wasn't involved with the beings were turning on and light, on and off the lights in the room the cameras doing crazy stuff so mary became like a strong source of support that um let me just say she's very tapped in like she's very intuitive as well. And through Mary as well, I got to work with children and meet these children that were like next levels of me that were coming through later than me that I was like, people think, you know, I've got some crazy stuff going on. And I talk to these kids and I'm like, these kids are bringing in some amazing energy and they're connected to some crazy stuff in a good way. I'm not putting them down at all. So Mary and I have now been friends for probably about 10 years, give or take, maybe a bit more. And she's just been a sense of support that she always, not just with, we could say, hypnotherapists, where a lot of them can lay it on, she never let on. But even with my own experiences as somebody that I've talked to personally, 
she was showing me that I already had all the answers. It was because, and I tend to find this with a lot of us, and it's a human thing, I think, that until we get a high level of consciousness, a lot of us act this way, which is if we can't see, touch, taste, smell something or get external validation, we just fob it off. But she was showing me I have the answers the entire time sitting within me and how by going within, I can access that and meet these beings halfway. And so I could even say that James Gilliland has been a friend like that as well, because he's been with me. I've been with him. We've had some crazy stuff happen together at the ranch and here. And that's where to me, it's like him and Mary are like, they're just like family on another level, like elders that are assisting that have assisted me and thousands of others to sort of see our own potential within. They won't tell us what's going on, what they think's going on because they know that I've got it. Sometimes I'll share ideas, but to me, when they're talking to me, it's like, you know, what's going on. You've got a, you've got it within you already because usually yeah. I've spoken the answer and I just fob it off. So yeah, the, especially Mary, she's just been, yeah, like a, like a mother to me as well. Wonderful. I'd love, I could just listen to her for hours. So um, she's got like the sweetest voice and she seems so caring all the time. Like I think she would be a perfect confidant. Um, yeah. Did you want to chime in with anything? I'm, I'm, my mind's reeling. I got a couple lurking still. Oh, I, I, maybe we can go to the, the images now we can do that. And then we, I've got, I've got a few more questions, but I'd like to, uh, get uh peter to uh share screen here and you've got a lot of physical evidence this started what in about 2009 2010 the photographs and stuff 2010 oh, a bit before then was stuff that i haven't really talked about but 2010 is where it's just been continuous from there so uh is it okay if i play the trailer quickly as well with, yeah, with yeah, going, yeah, sort of a quick presentation slideshow thing so um i'll just open this here and you did the whole documentary. You're in charge of this. You're the producer and stuff. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was, was that um, James, John and uh, Jason, <laughs> the three J's in the documentary, okay. they were saying to me, um, you should just do something yourself. Cause I actually made James documentary contact has begun too. So James has said, you should, they all three of them said, you should make something yourself. And I ended up doing it. So wow. um, yeah, but uh, can you guys see the screen now? Yes, we can. Great. I'll just press uh, I'll just press play and take it from there. What is this all about? Oh, sorry. What is this all about? Why are we being interacted with by this range of physical and non-physical intelligences? My experience started at a young age, and uh, typically what people refer to as like the grey alien. And his evidence speaks for itself. The evidence that Peter was showing there, his video footage of craft, of all different kinds of craft, it's almost like they are being told, it's time to come out because we're here. It's genetics. You know, they've been manipulated and they're different than a normal human. This has been happening to him since he was a child. When it got pretty serious was when I started seeing what I could term as like blue orbs coming into the house, floating around doing whatever they do. Applying enhanced filters to the footage, engraved with large heads, uh, large dark eyes, almond shaped, uh, small nose and mouth. We saw that this was indeed an alien in his house. And there wasn't just one though, there was basically a whole crew of them. We know who's on the ships. 
you know, begs the question is why is this not available to the public? Uh, it's crazy, but it is what it is. The one we know as Pete is not so much one individual. Of course, the data reflects somewhat of a rotation of beings that can and do go in and out of Pete's body. Frankly, he's described as being an experiment, being a multi-dimensional alien type experiment. <laughs> So that's the the trailer, and uh, this is just a quick compilation of crafts. It's like a little video. There's no sound of this, so I might describe some things over the top here. Yep. Um, but this is a compilation of crafts over the years. So there's a few thousand photos and videos over the years, but this is a, a craft. Uh, in a lot of the originals, you will see the trees and everything that you can even see these online. So there's gutters, trees. You can see reference points with this. Uh, and a lot of it is during the day, as you can see here as well, and infrared with some of the nighttime stuff as well. And I'm using, it's more like colored infrared than I'm using these days as well. So there's been many, many, you know, a lot of people talk and it's not saying if people don't have evidence, they're not to be, you know, believed or considered for the information. But when you get this over and over, that's what gets me talking to other people as well, going, all right, you're capturing stuff. And it's not to say that, you know, people, again, who don't have evidence, you can't just fob off. But I had to train myself to carry a camera on me all the time. I've always got a camera uh, at, you know, a couple of metres at, at, at the least. Um, if I need to get something quickly, I've got a camera everywhere, in a car, in the house, in the garage, wherever I am. So, yeah, this is the type of stuff that I've captured over the years. And a lot of the time, I'll just get a thought transfer. Like with the orbs, I'll either see them before and then start holding the camera up then the orbs come in. A lot of people mistake dust particles, stuff in the air for orbs as well. It's unfortunately, I've got to tell a lot of experiences that come to me, you know, it's a lens flare because you've got the sun in the photo and it's creating that, that orb and things like that. And a lot of people get disappointed, which I don't like to comment on people's stuff because they get upset if I, I I'm, it's about let's get truth and real with this. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. We can't just be like, this is what I think it is. It's not going to hold up. That so last we, one, can I add, just ask a question? That last one you showed, was that a fleet video? Like where you've got uh, 10 yeah, or 12 of them? Yeah. I think, yes. I think there was all up about 30 of them, but I think there's uh, probably about half of that in the footage. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was a daytime one. Yeah, those so, became famous in Mexico. That's where they started seeing those in the 1990s. Those, what they called fleet videos, where there's whole piles of them all moving around. Wow. That's pretty well, hard we, to fake. If people are going to try to say you're faking it. I mean, that's pretty hard to fake that. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be releasing Ibanis. I've got Ibanis as well, or UFO clusters as well. I've, I've, I had a lot of stuff up. I've pulled it down because I'm going to re-present it on the YouTube channel over the next year. With I've got so much I've got to do. Like, yeah, like with videos that there's a yeah. and a lot of it is in 4K. Wow, so it's okay. it's not you know 1080 HD or anything. It's in 4K. Um, yeah, so that's just to give you an idea. A lot of it's clear. Some of it, I've got telephoto lenses. Some of it, I don't. It just depends what I can use at the time. So this is uh, an image that was uh, analysed by Jason Gleaves as well. This was taken last year. I didn't see this at the time. What happened was I could hear something on the roof of my cabin and it was different from a possum. It sounded like somebody was walking on the roof. And then I could hear, it's like somebody walking on grass and leaves out the back of the cabin. 
and nobody was in the location or was at at the time. So I was just like, something's going on. And I just went out, took a few photos. This is, this is what was in one of those photos. Wow. I didn't even check it for 10, 15 minutes. As soon as I got it, I sent it straight to Jason Gleaves and gone, do what you're going to do with it, mate. Send the original, look at the data, tell me what you got. And he's like, that's a frigging gray. So yeah. Like, I, think, it, it I think that happens back. more than people realize. And it's not really talked about like this compulsion to go outside and take a picture. And sometimes like, I think you've pointed out that you just snapped like a picture outside of your truck. And then this is what showed up when you looked at it later. So I think a lot of experiencers undergo that. And I think it needs to be talked about more in the community, actually. Well, it's like with the gray alien video, I couldn't see that. But what I would see, and this is what my family said, they said, you finally got it. Because what I've been saying for years is it's like something's behind the wall popping its head out and going back. Like if you're watching telly or you're sitting somewhere eating food, you'd see just something like that, but it's in your peripheral. So I left the camera there and that's what ended up on the on the camera as well. I, and Jason's brought out detail on that to where you can see it blink. You can see it blink in it. Uh, we'll get to that one in a second. Yeah, I think if you're going to show it, but that one is very compelling. And it actually, that one, that one kind of hit with me because it's like you just said, like I experienced this where I feel like there's behind me, you know, and the one good look I had, it was almost, I describe it through the James Bond tunnel and I opened my eyes and I could see his eyes through this tunnel and then it just vanished. And it reminds me so much of your blinking one that comes into frame. Like, it's amazing. Well, this is where it's confusing because I didn't get a dead on look at it. I could only see it in the peripheral and every time I'll turn, it would be gone. John was saying that there was a team of them there with the remote viewers looking at it. I don't have that footage in what I'm about to show you, but it is on YouTube. Anyone can watch it. Some people say they just see a head, but then I had um, a Japanese TV crew come over and when they did the analysis, they reckon they could see the body. They'd done an outline of the body as well. Oh, so it's just, but I have seen the heads appear, just heads. Mm -hmm. This is where people are like, what, just a head appear? Well, it's possible that it's just a head too, because I've had that stuff happen to me. I've had like white lights open up with the gray poppets head in and then implode on itself. And it's like, who's going to believe that type of thing? You know, it is so many people that describe seeing faces in the orbs and things like that. So yeah, just a head doesn't seem to throw me for a loop anymore. <laughs> yeah, let me ask yeah. a question. We, I, I've interviewed uh, Yossi Ronan. If you know, if you know him from Israel, he talks no. about how the beings leave, where they all hold hands and they start making a circle, and they make they go round and round and round, and they go faster and faster, and they become translucent, so you can see through them. And then they turn into light and the light goes into a ball of light and disappears. So is that what's happening here where it's coming out of like a, like a ball of light or it's coming, popping in and it's not really walking in. It's sort of manifests and then it demanifests. Is that what we're yeah. happening? In some cases, in some cases, if they're more physical, like if they're a little bit more evolved than us, they'll have a physical, what we could say, nuts and bolts craft. Though there's not no nuts and bolts in it. And what's happening is the, the craft, different propulsions, I've seen different magnetic rings within it that are spinning at different ways. I've seen stuff similar to Bob Lazar's setup, but I don't know what was actually operating it. Another yeah. version had the crystal in the middle. But what I know is that they vibrate it to where it goes beyond light to sound. 
And then they navigate through consciousness and rematerialize it where they want. And that's stuff that's not too far ahead of us. Because the is, way is this, sorry, you're right. No, no, I just want to, uh, you, you mentioned vibration again. Is, is vibration, because Tesla said, if you want to understand the universe, start thinking in terms of vibration. So are we talking yes. time space? Or are we talking like levels of vibration, like, like frequencies on a radio where they, they vibrate in and they vibrate out? Is that what's going on? Or All of the above, but I'll explain it like this. Everything is consciousness and awareness, which yeah. then once it breaks down, goes into a vibratorial state, which is sound. Sound right. creates light, light creates physical matter. And they said, if you get that, you've got it all. Because I can tell you now in recent um, research I did to look into this, and I have scientists come to me about even the electron and the things I've said in the past going, how do you know this? Because I know that an electron for some of these beings, they break down to an electron and because all electrons have a symbiotic relationship, they can just pop out at another electron and re-manifest there. Some are working through photon light, but what's happening is it again comes down to, oh, with the Hadron, for example, they're now smashing light particles together and creating physical matter. So if you can do that, what can you do to backtrack that? So this is where it gets crazy. People talk about light beings being ascended. All right, so they may be at a higher state of consciousness, but if, it, if it's material matter, if it's light, and if it's sound, it's an outside aspect within source. It's not in the unified field. So even a vibrational, beings, can, beings could even be a, a dense form of vis, uh, physical vibration. You can't see them, but you can see distortion. Yeah. And then you've got light beings after that. And then you've got material beings. And right now we've got our light body that overshadows this vessel and really only a pinpoint of awareness of that anchored into the body computer to where we're experiencing this five sense reality. Really, we've got seven, which is also the mind's eye and telepathy. So it is all got to do with vibration and it depends on the consciousness and level of those beings to what terms of propulsion or transport or teleportation they'll do because again a lot of them can do it through thought wow fascinating fascinating stuff see grant yeah. he calls it he calls it the body computer that that sounds a little bit nicer than my meat suit even body computer is a bit weird for some people but it's the best way i can describe it it's just a biological computer and at the software is our soul operating it mm. Have you, have you, and the question just popped in my mind. Have you had um, government officials, because they're trying to figure this out as well. Have you had people that have tried to sort of pick your brain to find out what you know? Because that's the problem I find with the UAP task force now is they're still doing grade one stuff like closer and closer photographs and, uh, you know, interactions and stuff like that. But um, in terms of understanding what's going on, they've got to talk to people like you. Have they interacted with you that you know of? And trying in terms of trying to find out what's going on, or do they are they all just interested in their weapons and their material stuff? I've had a lot of people from whether NASA and other alphabet agencies talk to me in Australia and abroad. Uh, when I'm in America, I, I talk to a lot of people that are, are in the in the military, Air Force, what have you. Uh, so yeah, it's some of it has been intimidation in terms of I've got a lot of black helicopter footage um it's, it goes beyond that i've been shot at and i've had what weird white bands and one i'll give you one example i've got on video that i haven't shared but i've got the video i got back from the united states and i bought a computer that was only to be used for presentation so all it had on it was my presentation my slideshow yeah. and that was it i did a round of presentations 
um, went from Colorado, Denver to LAX, which the last time I saw the, the computer was in Denver. <laughs> got back to Melbourne, Australia, because I went to LAX, then Melbourne. Got home, and every time I opened up the laptop, because I had video files I'd put on it to get off, you know, of certain things that happened while I was over there. And every time we opened up the computer, everyone's internet would cut out, but the computer I was on. And this got bad because people, other people that I was with needed their internet. And so we were wondering what was happening and we rang up the internet provider and he said, can you plug your computer into the modem? Actually like hardwire it into the modem so we can discount Wi-Fi. I didn't know what was going on. This guy was an American, but he was running the internet company here in Australia. As soon as I plugged the cord in, I had a red box appear on the screen that I've got snapshots of somewhere with a, a huge amount of digits in it. And it made an alarm sound. And he goes, this is interesting. He goes, can you give me the numbers? And I'm trying to ask him what the hell's going on. He's like, just give us the numbers. Long story short, after about 20 minutes, he worked out that everything on that computer was being uploaded, went to about five places and then went to Sandia Labs. And he said, I don't know who the hell you are but I can't explain this, but this is what's going on. And after that, I put the computer on the steps and stepped on it, broke it and threw it in the bin. <laughs> uh, and what... I was doing an interview with uh, Betty Andreessen's husband and they have the black helicopters and all this sort of stuff. And I said to, to him, I said, well, does your wife get downloads of how the craft works? And then he, and he said, oh, yeah, she draws them all the time. And I said, well, are you, are you surprised they're following you or tapping your phone? I mean, <laughs> you're trying to figure that out as well. <laughs> well, these types of interactions with people in military personnel and that go back to probably 2011 um, at the earliest. And it's predominantly been not harmful or anything like that. But I've got lots of black helicopter videos and some weird things to do with surveillance and that. So that's just to give you a brief you know, I guess thumbnail sketch of that sort of thing that it's, yeah, there's people that I speak to. A lot of people are, are coming to me for information because it's like they're being blackballed within their own community, within the military community, that it's like they've they've at a status that you think they'll have access to things, but they've been told they're on not a need to know. Yeah. And it's yeah. not like they're a president or a politician where you've got a certain amount of years that you hold a position. They've been doing this for years and they're told they've got their access denied. So that's why they've just wanted to talk to me, get my ideas and my experiences and sort of where I'm coming up with things. I think just to sort of uh, put their mind at rest somewhat that they learn something about this phenomena. When you're talking black helicopters, are you sure that it's government? I've, I've got a few people that have got the, the experiences of the black helicopters. And what I noticed when they showed me them, especially a guy, uh, Tony Bintz out of London, um, most of his black helicopters have got UFO orbs in the photograph. And I said, and so I put it on the internet and a bunch of experiencers all showed me their photographs with black low-flying helicopters with orbs in them. And I'm going, well, what's the chances there's an orb? And then I started to wonder, uh, you know, is the do you think the government is that sophisticated that they, like in Australia, you're having the black helicopters in Australia? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I've had military helicopters, whether they're camo or black. And then I've got other helicopters that are like your normal helicopters, but they're yeah. black and there's orbs flying around them. Yeah, that, that's what uh, Tony showed, like in London. He's at the hospital and it's like uh, 75 feet above the hospital. And and one's a, a police helicopter, one's a black helicopter. They're all different types of helicopters. And then he starts showing me these these orbs in the photograph. And I'm going, I wonder if this is like a trickster thing, whether it's a, 
because it, it's um, I mean, I always thought it was government until I saw these orbs in the photograph. And now you're describing as well these orbs in the photograph, which seem very strange. Like, what's the chance you're going to have a, a low flying helicopter with an orb in the photograph? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, in one of them, it's a video and it's, it's like doing its own thing in control against what you'd think the propeller would be pushing the wind down or however it works. Yeah. It's going against all that. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is where it's interesting because like yourself, you're talking to a lot of experiences around the world and you're finding commonalities. This yeah. is the stuff that we need to be doing. So, and that's what you're doing. So this is great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things that the, the experiences talk about, and maybe you can talk, talk to it. And that is about um, a lot of people. We, and, uh, Nicole and I just did a book um, on triangles and a lot of experiences have triangles on their body. They find these triangles. And I actually was on a, uh, an interview last night and some guy from, I think it was Thunder Bay, Canada, came on and he had a triangle on his body. So have you had the, the implants and the triangles and that sort of stuff? Uh, yes, uh, there is. I think in the documentary it's shown, I've got you back on full screen just so I can see a bit better now. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I've got marks, scoop marks. Some of them will glow in the dark for about 30 days with the black light. Some people told me to do that and I did it one day and I'm like, damn, there, there is something to that. Um, did There's you ever try the, the magnet across marks to see if you can get a no i haven't i haven't tried that no oh, that's no. an old dr lear trick <laughs> he would all right roger lear yeah plants and see if one would you know pop up <laughs> yeah uh there, there's been uh implants and there's also been uh the triangle marks um trying to think of anything, anything there has been weird bruises appear on me at times as well so there's been like a conglomerate of just different things where it will like i'll just feel something and a bruise will appear or one night i was i was having dinner and my hand hurt and i looked down and everyone's like look you got a scoop mark on your hand and it was done in real time while i'm just eating dinner and the way they explained it was sometimes i'll just do something like that because there's been something done to me biological to see how things are going so it's like they only need a pinprick they don't need you know a whole lot of anything it's almost just like a little testing for them to just check how you're going in energetically with what i don't know if it's in my case it could be upgrades as we'll probably say but i don't want to say that but yeah just certain things that have been done because there is some stuff like my creatine levels are extremely high um really high and I see, I got told with Michael Lee Hill and another bloke on UFO Hunters, their creatine levels were through the roof and they had the same story. And mine's through the roof. I was meant to be wearing glasses full time once I was 20. I don't need glasses anymore. And I had to have three optometrists walk in and go all at each other going, you don't need glasses anymore. And I'm like, nothing. And they said, well, we can give you the lightest prescription. All it will do is make you see the stars better and clearer at night. And I was like, give the size anyway. So yeah, my eyesight's reversed. Um, so do you consider that a healing? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I was just wondering. I mean, you know, these things happen every day. And like you said, some of them you blow off and some of them, some of them like you even said, like it takes you decades to realize, you know, putting all these little micro steps together over the years and that's what I had a surgery experience that I now 10 years later am starting to think it was a healing scenario so it was my first out of body scenario too so it's it's part of my journey as well so that's it's amazing um, well, that's the trick is it, 
some people start out with like just multidimensional experiences or they've got physical experiences or it's just completely astrally. But that's what was hard for me is a lot of this is physical and then it went to the outer body and the astral stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like just integrating that as your transformation because it's just a lot, like you lose a lot of friends, family, people think you're nuts. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're going through these crazy things and then you're like, all right, some of these things are actually in my head, but it's not just in my head. It's a multidimensional experience, either astrally or through the pineal gland. Well, and let's let's bring that back to your scoop mark you said happened in real time. So do you think that was happening to another dimensional part of yourself and then it appeared in our reality? Or do you think it's kind of like a, a nod to let you know like there's something physical about this, like almost um, like Grant, how do you refer to it as like an aha moment or a, a, it's part of the signal. Yeah, just sort of the signal this no this wasn't a dream this actually happened it's sort of like that kind of right. thing where they're because you know a lot of it doesn't make sense why they would do that except to sort of it's the same thing as why would they make stuff fly around your room and and all this kind of stuff i i call it i have a thing called the theory of wow where i think a lot of what they're trying to do is just keep your attention they're trying to get keep you involved in the whole thing and that and if and unless it's weird you don't pay any attention to it and when it's weird you start thinking like, what's going on here hundred percent. It's it, it can, it's just hard because when you're dealing with some of these beings that are a high level of consciousness, sometimes they've only given me a piece to why they've done what they've done because I won't understand it. Where three years later, they'll tell me and it's like, oh, now I get it. And they're like, if you told you straight up, you wouldn't have understood it. So it's just right. depending on the form. Yeah. So do you, do you get that? Um, or I guess we could just generally speak about what kind of messages come through to you and if you've had to undergo some sort of lesson, if you've learned lessons along the way, or maybe even had to repeat a few. A, a huge transformation. People that knew me 20 years ago know me now and they're just like, this is not the Pete that we know. Some just can't be around because it's just like, who the hell is this person? Other people are like, this is a great version of Pete. So, you know, there's a lot of what we could say things to do with inner healing and trauma uh, release that I've had to go through. And I've been a meditation teacher for 10 years and uh, remote viewing and yoga, a lot of things that led me to all that, uh, to go on my own journey, learning different modalities and techniques for inner development, because it wasn't about, oh, I'm in contact with ET, which a lot of people that aren't contactees, it's like, wow, when you're experiencing it, you got to integrate it. It changes your life. And then over many years, it's like, it's not about them. It's just like another friend family but it's about you here on this mission to uplift your own consciousness and you by playing your part enough of this do it we're going to see this sort of roll on snowball effect and so a lot of it's been about just transformation and self-mastery on discipline on um service to others uh, being caring being thoughtful looking at things from an observation point of view rather than reactionary mode i would have done this i would have done that you know voicing your opinion on somebody that unless you've walked through their shoes, who knows why they've done what they've done and why do I have a right to put my thoughts onto them? So this has been transformational in everything like that, how I eat, how I treat myself, um, exercise, uh, downtime, love for my family, love for my friends, trying to have a balance in the human experience while being here for this mission of, um, I guess, sharing the messages and for people to do with that what they may. So it's changed many aspects that I'm still integrating it. Like 
I have experiences come to me and they, they, they've just had something happen. And it, I say, look, what I'm about to say isn't to belittle you, but your mind is like, imagine that snowball thing, you know, how you shake the thing and the snow's all in it, like the Christmas things. You got like a, a sander in it, you shake it and the snow's everywhere. I say, your mind is like that right now and you're integrating what you've just experienced or what the hell is going on. And I say, I'm here 37 years old now and it's just starting to settle. So it's like, don't think you're going to understand fully what's going on overnight and you're going to get to the bottom of it. This is a journey and you need to be at peace that this is a journey and look at the fruit of the information. Don't do what these beings are telling you. Because even they've said to me, it's like you're your own being. We're, we're, you guys have got to learn this yourself and see what you're capable of. We're here to assist. And they will jump in at times, as you know, with nuclear weaponry and things like, you know, certain things they will jump in on. But at the, at the end of the day, it's something where I say to experiences, you think it's got crazy and you've just had this sighting or you, you woke up and there was an ET there or whatever. I'm like, this has just begun. It's just <laughs> and it's not out of ego or anything I say, it's to prepare them that what you think you know now, like I said, it's it's not lying, but they'll only they'll give you a concept and then a year later or two years later, they'll give you another concept. And then years after that, they'll give you another concept. And you'll see that if they didn't put the dots down in that way, you wouldn't have understood the concept that's the real concept. And even when you think that's the real concept, that might be a stepping stone for actually and what's really going on. So this is where it's it's just trying to be the best human you can be, where I say, I say this to a lot of people about their families if they don't get them or understand them. It's very hard for a lot of experiences, including myself. But I say, as long as your friend, your family, who who you surround yourself with, as long as I'll give the shirt off their back to help their fellow human. They don't need to know this. They'll learn or get into this if they're meant to. But as long as they're just being a decent human being and, and learning and experiencing, not, you know, gaining knowledge and, and whatever it is, they don't need to know this. It's not to say for me who needs to know who not, but that's being a good person. That's what we need. Right. That's all we need is people to just be good people. It's the basics and we tend to forget that. Beautiful. I um, can I go back just quickly to the abduction? Because you've had a lot of these experiences. I don't know if it's every day you're having experiences, but you know that Jack Ballet has, um, you know, reservations about the abduction phenomena. And uh, Kit Green says none ever. Uh, Edgar Mitchell says none. And you've talked about this thing about how they move you. Is there actually a physical abduction or is it always being done through this out of body where they change the vibration and they move you onto the ship? um through um this vibration thing where you're you're in a what sometimes they would call the matrix reality where you're sort of in a different place time and space doesn't really fit so what what do you say to the idea you know like the idea where people really don't see other people being abducted what's actually going on in the abduction process is it is, is there some physical stuff where they're uh it's an actual physical thing where they take you out of the house and you walk into the craft or is it all this sort of vibration thing where um they're coming in at a different vibration Look, I've, I think I showed it in the documentary. I've got landing marks. I had the soil tested. There was cadmium in it that they couldn't explain compared to the, con the, the control samples as well. So this is where my case has got physical trace and material. It goes on and on. So what I'll say is, and it's a little bit of a joke, not everything's white or black. 
it's more than 50 shades of gray in the middle. <laughs> and, and it really is. It's a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to where what I'll say is predominantly it is a multidimensional experience where it can be astrally or they pull the consciousness. But to add to that, um, like I was saying at the start, they can land the craft on you and they can vibrate you fully into their into yeah. their craft or they'll just take your consciousness now in some cases the atmosphere and the smells on the craft i think what they are is to support that life if it's a physical type thing and again i think this is lower dimensional beings that still might be more evolved than us but they're still lower dimensional beings if they're taking us physically so it's when you're going to like i say the the, the et stuff and it's not putting them down either it's child's play to what's beyond extraterrestrials like i said there's another 90 percent of realms out there and there's got nothing to do with planets and stars in those realms and then you hit the geometric light realm so i think it's a smaller percentage of the physical stuff and then it goes into the multi-dimensional aspect where they'll it's basically astral and uh psychically and so I think a lot of people, they are taken aback by the third eye experiences when they start that they think it was a real experience, but they're having it like a dream where I say a lot of these dreams experiences, if they're a dream experience, they're not exactly what happened because their brain can't decode what really happened. So what's happening is what the way they've explained it to me is you will have an experience your body computer brain's trying to decode it. It can't, it will make up a screen memory that will have information that was symbolic for what really happened. And you're left with that. And you think that that's what happened. No, it's just because you couldn't decode it, that they've brought the information through symbolically for you to be able to translate it and understand it the best that you can. And even then we're not going to fully understand it. You've got to sort of go with your intuition and gut feeling on it. And that's where it's tricky because you want truth. You don't want hearsay. So this is where I'll say for a lot of it, what I think, that's what I've said. What I know is fact is different, but I know that my experiences are real and I've got a lot to, in a court of law could prove that, I think. Yeah. Really, if we looked at it neutrally with the amount of witnesses, the photos, the videos and the material, it's more, more to the point to say that, you know, th there's things out there that are just hearsay and yet they could be passing law, but it's like, here's the stuff. And it's not just me. There are many cases around the world and researchers like yourself and Jack Belay and others that can pull material in and other things that go, look, this is beyond hearsay. Yeah. This yeah. is, oh, yeah. you know, look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you been allowed to fly the craft? Have you had that? Because I've had 50 people that I've talked to that had that experience in, in terms of being allowed to fly the craft. Yeah, it's more a conscious connection to the craft. So the ones that I'm talking about, there's not like, you know, a, a steering wheel or a, it's through thought that some of them they'll have um, you put your hands on the armrests or even just being on the craft in some of them, if they're highly developed, you don't need to even put your hand on anything. You just, because you're in the craft, your light body's overlapping the craft's light body if it's a conscious craft. Yeah. So because the light bodies are overlapping, you've got emerging thought with it and you're basically directing yeah. So that, that, yeah. that's good you described that because there's nobody's ever described a wheel. Everybody describes the panel. You put yeah. your hand on the panel to become one with the craft, the craft's alive, whatever you think is what the craft does. And that's this yeah. consciousness connection, which I'm glad you verified what other people have said the same thing with this. Yeah. Or put your hand on the armrests or 
stuff like that. It's this consciousness connection, which I think is very simple when you get enough people talking about it, that this consciousness, this craft is like, has a consciousness to it. And that's the, almost like the idea of the, the psychedelics where, you know, people have the ayahuasca and they say, I suddenly realized everything was alive, conscious and connected. And that is part of what you discover when you're interacting with the beings that there is this consciousness connection that everybody always leaves out. And until you get into the consciousness connection, you're missing the boat. You're never going to figure it out. And that's what's confusing because the way people have explained those types of experiences on DMT and ayahuasca is the way that I go up to the geometric light realms. What they're describing is what I experience, and what I'm wondering, and I don't know if there's a test to do it, maybe I produce DMT more than others that can bring on those experiences. But the yeah. thing is, when I've had that, when I had these experiences, for example, I had a, I, I've never spoken about this, but I'll just briefly sort of overcap it that there was an intelligent two intelligences that appeared to me in my bedroom, like, and this is like five, six at night, sun's still up. This isn't, I'm asleep. I was just in my bedroom and they were told me they were outside and I went outside and then there's this craft that I filmed that was two, three red lights in a saucer shape, like a saucer shape around the three red lights. Yeah. And before that, the visions, and this is when those experiences started to come on with the geometric light realms, which are angelic type entities. When I researched and I saw artwork and I said, it's like living geometry. It's like a kaleidoscope. You're, you're, you're in a kaleidoscope. That's when people are like, that's like a DMT trip. And I did research into that. I'm like, maybe I'm producing a hell of a lot of DMT. And that's why I might be more open to experiencing these things on a nearly a daily basis, basically. If not, I'm getting telepathic communication. So it could be a thing, correct me if I'm wrong. It could be a thing where it's a matter of everybody can do it. It's a matter of accessing that you are able to access. You've been taught how to access and you can access these different levels based upon your knowledge and based upon how much you've done it and stuff like that. But everybody has, I would have the ability to do. Everyone's got the, yeah. yeah. So I do like, I, I talk to a lot of experiences. I do reading self mastery teachings and things like that. Now I'm not doing that as a plug. Why I'm saying that is I spent three and a half years, eight to 12 hours a day. And all I did was remote view or meditate. I do about four hours. Now I've got my own sanctuary here. Now, when I got to a breakthrough experience with that, that's where the beings were going. You're going to get this if you do the work. Now, there's like you've got to dig deep when you do this work. This isn't, this isn't about experiencing ETs and, and transdimensional beings. First, you've got to pull all the crap out and the mind chatter and become the observer. And I can tell you one experience was like a Vipassana retreat, which is apparently the purest form of meditation from Buddhist. I don't agree with all that, but I went there and did it. And for 10 days, you can't look anyone in the eyes. There's no electronics. You can't talk. All you do is you eat and you meditate. I think it's like 12, 14 hours a day. That's all you do, even more if you want. Now, at that point, after a few days, you start to get, and I, can't, I won't talk about it because they prefer that people go there and just experience what they're going to end up experiencing in that. But that's when you realize your vibration. I'll say that. And because I've done all that work, and I believe the way the beings explained it to me was because I did intense work eight to 12 hours a day of just remote viewing and just meditation combined i jumped forward exponentially quick and what i believe is any human can experience what i've experienced but there has to be a point that you get to a point like most experiences they start to meditate they start to do research and look at things like joe Dispenza and greg braden and bruce lipton and the list goes on and on about what we're capable of healing ourselves and evolving our consciousness and that's the stuff we really should be teaching in schools not the curriculum we're looking at because if we evolve in consciousness 
the the problem solving capability we've got for all the problems we've got could be sorted like that. Are you optimistic about the future in terms of what's going on in the world and and what you know what our potential is? I think I am an optimistic person, but from what I've been shown and what I know, what we're going through right now has to happen for people to dig deep within and go, we can't live like this and take things to a new level. And it's not through riots and wars and all this, you know, violence that we're going to get this. It's through love and each person being the best person that they can, that this will have a spider on effect, a spider web effect. It's like the Maharishi effect. Enough of us do it. There's going to be a frequency change and we have to see that dark night of the soul before we do it. And look, the, the way the world's going, the way we treat each other, the, the way that some civilizations are still living in third world. Some of them are actually, like I go to Bali, they've got nearly nothing, but they're the most happiest people on the planet. Um, so it's just, it's something where as a collective, but individually, we need to really work on ourselves and look at what's not working, what we're doing is not working. People are going without, the middle class are paying more taxes than anyone. And this is worldwide, it's not to go on about this, but it's like the more that you work, the harder it gets unless you're like a million or a billionaire. And people need medical attention, but yet they can't afford it. It's like, this is crap that shouldn't be going on. Everyone should have their basic needs met. And if they did that, they could follow their passion, their purpose, which the way it's been explained to me, even in the Pleiades, for example, they don't, they've got schools, they've got education, but they've got drones, droids and, and conscious machinery that will do the menial work. And it's not pulling people down doing manual work for humans. Now we need janitors. We need this and need that. People are doing it. That's great. But in advanced civilizations, there is technology that takes care of that so that people can delve into on a soul level what they feel like they're, they're there for and drawn to do and, and contribute to that civilization. And we really need to swap it from a war industry, not just to a space exploration industry, but also a conscious evolving industry, which takes us beyond the space. Well, well said. I, I want to ask you about channeling in a minute, but you, you, when you were talking about this, uh, there's a channeler by the name of Paul Selig who talked about this, that in order for you to solve the problem, you have to expose what has been hidden to the light. So it's like you turn the rock over, the little creepy collars are coming out, and until they get into the light, you can't change it. So that's what's, he's, a lot of channelers will talk about this, that that's what's going on now, the shift, but in order for the shift to take place, you have to see what's wrong. And it has to be exposed before you can you can actually change it. So yeah, so that leads to the question of channeling. You mentioned the the video where you started the voice changed, where you, somebody else started talking. Have you had uh, the channeling sessions where uh, they try to talk through you? Have you had that kind of stuff happening? I did, but I stopped because I leave and something else jumps in, and I can see all the beings that are working through the being in my body to articulate the information, but. The last time I did it was, I've only done it three times, a hypnotherapy session. And the last time I cried for about 45 minutes when I came out, I couldn't talk. And it's because I came back into the body so quick that I understood why babies cry. Because it was so heavy and dense when I got back and I just didn't want to be here. Um, so I stopped it after that, but I do it predominantly through automatic writing, which the, the Shiji material, which is three best-selling books in multiple countries, the book of Shiji, the book of Shiji two and three, I was more comfortable through bringing the information through through automatic writing. And what I'll say is you got to take it as just hearsay because even me looking at, I hate the word channeling. It's not to put channelers down. I'm a channeler myself. I know that that's like with the work that I do, but I, I like to keep it grounded and say, look, this is what I'm getting, but what you do with it is completely up to you. 
Um, but there's been stuff that they've told me that's ended up being right. And, you know, they, they proved themselves, like I say, it's the fruit of the information that you've got to trust and see if it's worthy. If not, put it in the gray area because we just don't know. So yeah, the, that stopped many years ago because of what happened when I came back to the body with that. Though I leave the body and come back, but in that particular instance, it was like I was just smashed back into the body and I, I cried for ages. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. I know. Uh, that <laughs> have you got another question, Nicole? Or I got, I, I got I one more. Actually, I think I can uh, pull the comedian move where you tie it into the first part of your show and maybe to wrap it up, um, you started this with mentioning that image of Kurt Cobain and phasing in and out with a gray. And that tinged for me. Grant and I um, follow the music a little bit and artists, and we do a series. And I was wondering if you were musical or if you created any kind of art based from your experiences. All right. I pulled down all my music. I did about, I can't even remember how many albums I did. I think probably about 15. Um, I was in the top 10 of the MP3 independent charts for about four years. Okay. Wow. I, yeah. And I was a rap artist, but I did all the music. I did everything. So I can play guitar. I can play drums. I can play piano. I can play bass. And yeah, I had film clips and, um, yeah, so you received your is it downloaded inspiration or were you some of the music really was really that? some of the music was the lyrics to it was really showing my heart and what humanity are capable of, like what are we doing to ourselves? But then some of it was just you know, I hanged around gangs, I hanged around bikies and did some crazy stuff in my younger days, and I was a bit of I think from the childhood, um, I was somebody that was a bit rough because I was bullied a lot. And then I became bully to bullies for a period there. And that was part of the human experience was like experiencing what I did. So that, that was like gang life was tied in with my music because everyone wanted me to get out of being crazy to get into my music. Cause it's like, Pete, you're the maddest drummer. You're great. Guitar. It's like, you shouldn't be hanging around this doing this. Like, and so they actually helped me get into where I got to with my music. And then before 2010, when their sightings started up, where they continued, I left Hollywood on the Gold Coast, came back to Albury, and I was like, I don't know what is going on in my life. And that's when everything started up. And I did an album since then. I did two albums since then. But recently, I was just like, I'm pulling it all down. It's just, I'm over it. I don't need... It's what, what, what was great for one time. I don't need it anymore. So I pulled everything down. And there's still stuff you'll find out there. There's stuff that you'll find out there. But that is something that so many musicians, actors, artists, I think it's because they're using the part of their brain that's like creative, that they're open to the experiences on a bi biological computer level. We just did an interview with an artist that does... Uh conscious connected art group art where they create together and so i was wondering if maybe you tapped into that field to create your music or i know i don't know what what is the theme it seems like everybody we talked to had a painting of a hummingbird for a while like it was chris bledsoe you know things like that so or owls <laughs> Yeah, owls. Yeah. Maybe you talked about owls in the documentary and maybe clowns as a screen image. 
Like, do you think that's a mistake? Like they didn't realize like clowns are supposed to be happy. That'll make them feel good. And then they yeah, it's like, crap out of cultural thing where clowns are scary. And they freak us all out. Like, <laughs> well, I've had experiences with big owls. As well as the normal hours. And uh, also on a show years ago with Mike Clellan talking about that because he was just, he's had his stuff and then everyone else. And I was just like, man, like, you know, I, 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 like my brother, I told, I said, man, there's like this, you know, three and a half, four foot owl. There was a few of them I've seen now. And he's like, man, owls don't get that big. And I'm like, dude, the owl, they're massive owls. And yeah, I had sightings when these owls approached. So, Grant, it was the other Peter. Hollywood Peter that had like the three Chris, foot, four foot Chris, owl Chris, in his bathroom, yeah, Chris, right? <laughs> Chris Peters, who's Barbara Streisand's stepson, go. who's also a musician, artistic. His father ran Columbia Pictures. Uh, he told me the story about the the the, the five foot owl, and he was oh. in the bathroom. I said, five foot owl. He said, yeah. My wife came screaming out of the bathroom, and 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 she said, there's an <laughs> owl here, and I went running in, and it was five feet tall. It was sitting on the bathroom counter. I said. It was five feet tall because you always hear Mike Clown talking about the four foot owls. I said, you sure it was five feet? He said, yeah, it was five feet tall. I went and get my camera. I came back and it was gone. So <laughs> you're in good company. And, and I think that's the thing. There's actually a woman now out of Toronto, a producer out of Toronto that's actually doing, and I'm helping sort of give her the leads on all this stuff. She's doing music and UFOs and all the people, the famous musicians that have the UFO connections. If you know uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, 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 Ronnie, Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones. His wife uh, is an environmentalist. Uh, her and her husband had a massive sighting. Her son and her had a sighting on the on the Stones plane where the thing came down the side of the craft and stuff. And he's an environmentalist. He started a, a nonprofit to get plastics out of the ocean. And so you see this sort of thing, this connection. And the way I always describe it is, is the, you have your left brain, which is your little, your little ego voice. That's what ca causes the signal to be, you can't pick up the signal because the noise is in the way. And once you quiet your, your left brain, your ego with meditation or whatever technique you're using, you suddenly pick up the right brain, which is on top of the universe. And most uh, musicians are very right brain. They're, they're not very, you know, language oriented. They're more into art and, and you see, and you, maybe I can ask you this question about, about the beings that they'll talk in symbols. So it's not really a, a, yes, a lo so logical thing. They're using symbols to talk to you and that's right brain. Yeah, so instead of a name, sometimes they'll project a symbol, and it's like if you if you project or imagine this, this is a way of calling or connecting with me through tele telepathy, or to that I'm acknowledged by like a name. But to add on to that too, the way they explain it to me is from the light body, which is again like a toroidal field. They said information because that's tapped into the unified field, and we transfer light, we transfer in our communication from light body to light body. And they'll show me that it comes down through the crown chakra through the right side of the brain. And then it's like filtered out again. And then left is what's left. But if you can get this part, you're getting it less filtered. So it depends if you're operating more in right brain, you're going to get more of the pure information, but it's more like when they're communicating, it might be as an example, you're on the right path in life. That comes through as it's like, a, it's like a concept, a, an epiphany concept, idea, a feeling and knowing this, how it comes through and you can get imagery and see how you're doing great. But why you're doing great, the actual in depth, that it's like you're getting a chapter heading, which is the which is the word you're, or words you're on the right path. The rest of the information, which is the paragraphs of the chapter, that information sitting in the light body and come through 15 minutes later, a day later, whatever, it finally integrates. So they'll show me how it's transferred, even on a 
on a universal level where a being can be in another planet somewhere else if they're evolved enough to do this and they can even buy like part of their consciousness to manifest in front of you or they can project the information from there to your light body here because it's like all light bodies have a symbiotic relationship through the unified field i hope i'm explaining that okay yeah yeah there's actually uh, i just gave the the link to uh um the woman from toronto with the red rocker what's his name nicole the the musician uh sammy hagar oh yeah that's what I he talks about his experience uh and he's a pretty pretty famous guy he talks about they were 13 miles away and he believed they were they were downloading stuff from his brain they were tapped into his brain and then he started coming through and they said oh he's waking up he's waking up and he said they turned the signal off and it just but he knew they were 13 miles away he knew exactly where the craft was and they were linked into his brain almost what you're sort of describing here well, they're, they're amazing with what they can do. They've shown me that, like, depending, again, on the level of consciousness, when I'm filming the crafts, and I've spoken about this, I used to get vertigo when this started. I would see on the craft, it's like my mind's connected to their mind. I can see what's going on in that craft while I'm on the ground filming the craft. And other times, they've connected with me, and they've gone, well, we can see what an entire suburb or a city is seeing at the exact same time through everyone's human eyes. They can perceive that. Wow. And I think some of them can even do it on a, on a planetary level. It just depends on what they're operating on. And that's where I was like, you know, that's it, it's enough for me to take in what I already experienced, taking it to that level. I, I've got enough to process with my own experience, let alone a whole suburb or a whole city. <laughs> but yet that's what they can do. Right. And I, to me, in my mind, that's what we will be like when we are, move more towards a human collective we will have that ability i think at play so i think it's beautiful grant Definitely. do you have anything you want to yeah. wrap up uh, well sort of to close i've got two things yeah. uh, can you maybe talk about as as a an experiencer who i think has got pretty close connection and a lot of connection uh there's a you know there's a lot of experiences running around who just sort of woke up they're trying to figure out what's going on so what advice would you give them if suddenly they realize something's going on here and I need to figure out what's going on? What kind of like one, two, three steps should they they take to try to uh, unravel what, what's going on without freaking out? First thing is knowing that you're not nuts, sort of gauge who and who you can't talk to. And it's not to sort of like, just some people just aren't going to get this. And there may be research groups or contactee groups or even groups online that you can start the talk with. Unfortunately, I see a lot of them collapsing because of ego within those things. So I've never really been, the only group I've ever been part of is ESETI. And that's not even a group or anything. It's like, there's no membership, no nothing. But it's like, there are, there are conferences you can go to that you'd be surprised just through synchronicities and events. You might even meet somebody at a cafe while you're having a coffee one day and they say something, you get to start talking. There'll be people present themselves like they'll present themselves and you'll know who you can not talk to. Almost what we could say is soul family. They come into the picture. I went many years alone with this and I didn't know what to do, but eventually people will come into your life. I think the first thing is, is trying to ground yourself, not trying to research everything. Just go with what is led to you. Of course, like look at everything. If you want to look at crop circles, ghosts, you know, geometry and four three two and whatever like look into it but don't try to become an expert on everything go with what comes across your plate and i think on top of that don't think 
you know what's going on. Because what I'm saying is when you find information out and you think that's what's going on, go, I think that's what's going on. Don't say this is what's going on because what will happen is, again, that's a stepping stone for something greater. Let, let the experiences and synchronicities and evidence lead you where it's going to lead you. Otherwise, you, you end up being somebody that will project yourself onto others. And what I mean by this, I'll give you an example. Many years ago, I was on Australian Morning News TV and I talked about the Disclosure Project, astronauts, military witnesses, because I knew they wouldn't believe me. Even the evidence, nobody's going to believe me at the end of the day. Like those that do, that's okay. But great claims call for great evidence, which has taken me 10 years to even get to the point where I'm going, yeah, this is getting there sort of. And I look back and I go, no wonder people thought I was nuts. Unless they've experienced it or they're open-minded to this, there's no way they can perceive or accept this as a possible reality. So the bottom line that I'm saying with that too is don't cause yourself heartache projecting yourself onto others and thinking and telling them that they're dumb if they don't believe you or how do you think UFOs aren't real? Let those people be. It's just wasting your energy. Put your energy into something productive. And I'll tell you one of the biggest messages I ever got from my experiences, and I, this is a main message that I'll say for those new experiences, is what you say and what you do affects everyone and every single thing. Wow. Everything. And it was so deep, that experience. I won't go into it, but what I'll say is that is something that I stand by and I look up before any big decision Anything I say to somebody with insight or trying to guide them, I always think, how is this going to benefit or help the situation or the person? And that's the bottom line. Okay, last question, then I'll turn it over to Nicole to close. Um, you, let's, let's go through your, your documentary, which you, you showed the trailer for. Tell people what's going on. And you work with people. You have a website. Can you tell people... Uh, you know, what you do and how people can be, get contact with you and how you can help them. Yes. Yeah, so I've got petermaxwellsuttery.com, which is where the books and a lot of things are there. I've got clearing techniques for clearing negative influences and psychic attacks and things like that, which are a whole other thing. I've also got ECD Australia, which I've had for years. So that's like a sub thing to James Gilliland. And that's under now Jaya Sanctuary, which is my sanctuary where I'm on six acres here in beautiful Victoria, Australia. Um, beautiful regional area here. And basically what I'm focusing on now is having weekend workshops and events, showing people to tap into their own abilities and looking at what I can show as tools not doing it my way, but go, look, these are different tools and techniques. Put it in your toolbox and add it to what you know and see how you can evolve from that. And this is what I've dedicated my entire life every waking hour to. So that's where things are at now. There's jaiasanctuary.com as well. Um, but yeah, I, I do readings and, and clearings and things like that. But basically it's like, how can I help you help yourself? That's my motivation every day with what I'm doing. So uh, that's where people can find me at petermaxwellsluttery.com. And the documentary is coming out when or when? when's the documentary? It's out October 18th, which isn't far away. I think, what, nine days now or something, eight days away? Oh, eight days, nine days Australia, I yep. think eight days for you. <laughs> um, I'm just confirming on the platforms. It's going to be available on a lot of uh, digital platforms, but I'm just waiting for that to be given to me in one go, which I'll be blasting on the social media website and everything else too. So I'm just waiting for confirmation of the streaming platforms and what have you. 
Beautiful. Those links, and I'd like to share them around. I really enjoyed the music in it as well. Like I thought that was done very well. Of the different craft you have flying in the sky, the music in the background, it was good. The whole thing <laughs> was brilliant, though. I loved it. I think it was put together so nicely. So thank the, you. <laughs> it's going to be good. But I guess I can wrap it up for us. I'm Nicole Sackage here, broadcasting from Corn Country in the Midwest. <laughs> I'm with Grant Cameron in Canada and our new friend Pete Slattery down in Australia. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I'd love to have you back sometime soon. And we can continue this conversation. I think it needs to be ongoing. So thank you so much, Pete. <laughs> No worries, Grant, Nicole, thank you so much for this comment. I've had a ball. I really have. And um, just, yeah, thank you for, for doing this with me. You're very welcome. Thank you. And I, I think you'll get some some positive feedback because a lot of the uh, the people who watch are into consciousness. Because I, as you probably know, I made the shift about the same time as you, 2012. And uh, so there's a lot of people who are into consciousness who watch the channel. So you should right. get some reaction. Yeah, be right. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.